Sangha is created when we sit together, when we stand together, when we walk together, and sometimes when we work together, and sometimes eat together. So this is not an abstract thing, Sangha. Sangha is face-to-face. In fact, when we talk about transmission uh, in our practice, it's always spoken of as hand-to-hand, warm hand-to-warm hand, warm heart-to-warm heart. It's not a letter that we send to each other. It's not long distance by Skype. It's being present face-to-face, hand-to-hand, body-to-body. And so it's really important this place is here for the creation and cultivation of Sangha. And you've been very generous in uh, coming and being here and establishing this place as a place for the gathering of Sangha. So... The past two weeks, uh, Michael and John have given talks centering on self, no self, which is one of the three, what we call Dharma seals or marks of existence. Uh, Anatta, no self, Anika, impermanence, and Dukkha, suffering. Um, So, no self and the issue of what is self and what do we mean by no self is a very important one. And I thought I would continue the discussion on uh, that has been going on for the past two weeks. These are the words of Buddha upon his enlightenment. Seeing but not finding the house builder, I traveled through the round of countless births. House builder, you have now been seen. You shall not build the house again. Your rafters have been broken down. Your ridgepole is demolished. My mind has now attained the unformed nirvana and reached the end of every kind of suffering. Pretty big deal. So what is he saying? He's saying, I see that a house has been built. And now that I see the way that has happened, and because I've seen it, it has fallen apart. I've seen that it is just a construction. It's something that was built up, and it is now something that is falling apart. The roof has fallen, the rafters have fallen, everything that has held it up, has fallen away. And what is that house? It's the house of self. 
it's the house of we sometimes call ego it's that sense of who we think we are this this being this being who has a name who has a history who has a um has a lot of roles that he or she plays it's everything we think we are that has been constructed it's a self that's been constructed so when we see that it's been constructed we can let it fall apart and and because it has been constructed it's actually been constructed as a form of refuge or protection our house is a place that protects us all these walls and the roof uh protects us so when the house falls apart we have no protection we we have nothing to we have nothing to protect nothing to nothing to uh brag about nothing to worry about um when we see that what has been constructed can also be totally dismantled so i have been considering this for many years and i have come up with some ways to try to not understand it in an intellectual or analytical way because we can't really do that uh very effectively but to try to understand this this notion this mark of no self which is really should be should be talked about as no separate self because there is a self that we create but we believe that it's separate from everything else that we are this house that we've built is separate from all the other houses that that are now sitting on their cushions so we have developed an identity that we consider to be ours mine separate from everything else and so i'd like to offer some ways in which to approach this understanding which isn't an intellectual understanding but which is more of an insight something that you see intuitively and not something that you analyze so i dug into my family photos and came up with a series of photographs of my daughter and this is what she looked like at 1 week old this is what she looked like at 8 months old and then i i guess i stopped recording the times the the, the age but you can see that she's a toddler she's probably 2 here right here she is a little later 
And here she is a little later. And here she is a little later. And here she is sort of close to where she is now. person is this the same is this the same being absolutely different and I'm sure when she gets to be my age I was going to bring pictures of me but that would be too self-centered so <laughs> because I really look different <laughs> from the way I looked as an infant. And as I age, hopefully a little longer, uh, I will look even, even more different. So what does this self mean here? What is it? We think that there's some kind of self called Amy that continues from the age of two weeks to the age of 50, which is what she is now. Um, what is it that endures? Is there a self that continues through this process? There's nothing. I mean, every cell in her body has changed. There's, there's nothing that connects all of this in reality except which we, we think, well, this is Amy's story right here. But the fact of the matter is that her identity, what we say in Zen, is discontinuous. The only thing that keeps it continuous is the story that we tell. It's the concept of Amy. But, you know, this it doesn't bear out in the reality of Amy. As a matter of fact, I remember going to uh, a long sashin, Rahatsu, which is the most serious sashin in the Buddhist calendar. And I was determined during this sashin to find out who I really was. I'm going to really make an effort to the true Mado beneath all of the roles that I play and the actions that I take and the performances that I give, the lies that I tell, uh, the things that I, I project out into the world. Who really, honestly, who am I? And that was going to be finally the, the final uh, discovery that I was going to make about my real self. And I, re I tried really hard, but all I could find was what I was experiencing at the time that I was looking. I didn't find any real core 
self. It was just all of a series of, of, of sensations or thoughts or, or, or emotions. But there was, I couldn't find a core, a core being. And actually that was, I was like, oh, that's great. I've been looking for this real, true Mado. There is none. So there's, you know, I don't have to worry about the real me. Because there is no real me. There's just now. There's just this. So you could say that it would be the same thing with the house this construction. What is the house independently of the rafters, the, the posts, the, 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 the um, uh, studs, the plaster, the floorboards? What, what is the house? It's just an amalgam of all these elements. There's no house <laughs> independently of all of these elements that come together. Once those elements are no longer in relationship with one another, there's no house. Similarly, we are made up of non-us elements. (laughs) There's no me. There's just an amalgam of what in, in Zen we call skandhas. Heaps, heaps of things, sensations, thoughts, uh, feelings, consciousness, will, just all kinds of activities that we string together and think that that constitutes something real, something separate, and it's not. So that's one way of you know, as we use this word, resonate. Maybe that resonates with you. Another way I've often described the self, this construction, as post-its that we put up on ourselves. I'm a mother. I'm a daughter. I'm a lover. I'm a teacher. I'm whatever. A cook, a, a gardener. A, <laughs> I'm just from the day I'm born, I'm I'm putting post-its on myself, and these post-its are kind of flapping because they're they're not they're just things I've created. They're stories, they're activities in the world. I am not. What does it mean to say I am a mother? Like, my being is motherhood. Uh, It's just a series of activities and concepts that are attached to that that name. And so as I was thinking of these, like, post-its kind of flapping in the wind, and any time one of these post-its can just fly off. Um, You know, I was a professor at Penn State, That's gone. I was a daughter. Both of my parents are dead. 
well, still a daughter in some weird sense, in some other conceptual sense. But these are very flimsy. And at the end, you know, they're all going to fly off. It occurred to me that it's with this idea of post-its, there still is a question of who are these post-its sticking to? Right? Yeah, that was your question. Good. There's a me here that the post-its are sticking to. Well, can you imagine that the post-its are just sticking to each other? Again, this is not something you're going to understand intellectually. But I had, I, when I was thinking about this, I had that same question. And I imagine, no, the post-its are just sticking to each other and giving the impression that there's something that they're sticking to. And maybe the pattern that they make is suggesting that there is something underneath there. But that's a delusion. That's, that's an illusion. Like an illusion, you know, sometimes you, um, you can take a, uh, a sparkler and you can, you know, you can whirl it around and whirl it around and give the impression that there's a real circle there. But it's just, it's just an illusion. So this sense that all of these things, that we, all these roles that we're playing are coming together to create a real separate being is an illusion. It's, it's an illusion. So and that's another way. If you think about watching a, um, a video or a movie, go to a movie theater, and you're sitting in the audience and you're really into it. Um, these, these things, these people really seem real. And then suddenly the, the picture starts breaking up. You know, you get, have you ever ha- had this when you're watching a video and suddenly the whole, the whole image begins to deteriorate or uh, break up and they think, oh my God, <laughs> that wasn't real. That was just dots on a screen. Sort of the same thing. We're kind of dots on a screen that look real, but they're dots on a screen. They're not separate entities. Um... Some of you know, I bet most of you know about Tibetan sand paintings. That's a really wonderful illustration of no separate self. The monks who create those sand paintings put, put their whole being into that creation. If you've ever seen uh, the creation of a, of a sand painting, they're extremely complicated. Um, and, they're, and they take tremendous skill to create this, this painting. 
and and it's it's done with great passion and and commitment and a beautiful sense of aesthetic aesthetics and what is its purpose to be blown away to be blown away that's that is what it is meant to be created for so if you think of self in this way we create this beautiful beautiful complicated uh, gorgeous being we dress it up we we give it all sorts of achievements uh we put it in all kinds of different contexts and we have a very beautiful um uh detailed um look at our vita you know our our vita we have all of these things that we've created and they're like a tibetan sand painting very complicated by the time you get to be my age there's a lot a lot in that painting i mean some people maybe not so much but i bet i bet everyone has a very complex painting that they're and then <laughs> gone well what was it to begin with nothing it was created out of nothing and it it just came together it just you just came together out of all of these elements all these heaps of things and you're going to come apart <laughs> everything that you are is borrowed and it will all be returned but that doesn't mean that we don't create this gorgeous thing this beautiful life this amazing self it just means we understand what it really is it's just a creation it's and we don't we don't take it we don't try to protect it because it's going it's it's made out of nothing and there's nothing to protect one of the most important sort of illustrations that i found recently is this this is really a i think an excellent way of intuiting and understanding this sense of self obviously there are two images we talk about figure and ground and as a kid i used to sit in the old i think they still have it now in my bathroom i used to sit on we had this hexagonal tile floor in the bathroom and i used to sit on the toilet trying to kind of do a figure ground thing with the tiles i'm i'm sure you know what i'm maybe you didn't sit on the toilet doing this but but i'm sure we've all had the experience of this interesting figure ground uh back and forth so let's say this this is you can you exist without this without these these no can these exist without this no 
So who you are is absolutely determined by everything else around you. There's nothing you that's not dependent, as we call it, codependent arising in Zen. There's nothing you that isn't entirely dependent upon everything else. And so you are absolutely interconnected. Absolutely interconnected. Now, I can illustrate this um, with this image, but you have to experience it. You, you can get an intuition of what this may mean, but you actually have to, and that's why we sit. You, you, this, this doesn't mean anything to you unless you have the experience of your own emptiness. And once you experience this, a lot of people are afraid of experiencing their absence of their of their identity, and it is tricky. That's why Zen practice is dangerous. It's a dangerous practice, and I think from a psychological point of view, I think we've talked about this before, that some folks who have lost a sense of their identity, their sense of self, can be in a lot of trouble. Um, so we have to be careful. In a way, you have to be really healthy psychologically and emotionally to sit, to meditate. And that's why in many cases in long sashin, you have to fill out a, a medical form because it can be very scary, like we, when we read in Coben's introduction to sitting meditation. It can be scary to have nothing to hold on to, to have no identity, to realize that everything you've built up all your life is a complete construction, and it, it's nothing real about it. But the, the result of that discovery can also be not this terror of losing your sense of identity, but your discovery that you are connected with everything. This is not about discovering this void, you know, like, oh, there's nothing, nothing, there's nothing to hang on to and there's nothing... Uh, there's some horrible black hole that I'm entering. No, quite the contrary. You're entering everything else. So when we say there's no separate self, we're also saying the self is connected with everything. And so, at everything else. And so, that is the, the, the um, bliss, the glory, the wonder 
of this insight, of this discovery, that, yeah, there's no separate you, but you are everything. You are connected to everything. So we approach this with care, this discovery, because it can be frightening. So it's like peeling, peeling layers of paint off a beautiful uh, antique piece of furniture and discovering the beauty that lay underneath these layers. So what we do when we sit and we practice, we, we move carefully through these layers that we've built up about ourselves. And entering into this discovery of our true interconnectedness. And that's, all, that's really all it means to be Buddha. It means to be empty of separate self and be connected with all things. And it's not, I want to caution about a kind of new agey approach to this, which is, oh, I'm one with everything. That's not it. It's not like I'm one with everything. You're not one with everything. You, you are different. You are different, but you are not separate. A very fine distinction, but very, very important. You are not part of this sort of lava lamp of you know, like amoeba-like uh, uh, being in which you're just dissolved into everything else. And there's this one, you know, like amorphous stuff that, that you dissolve into. That is not Zen at all. There is real difference between us. And that's very beautiful. But there's no separation. That is, it's, it's, Zen is full of these paradoxes, but if you can intuit that, it's, it's very significant. Because you have nothing to be afraid of. You have nothing to protect. And so Zen is about relieving suffering. And we suffer because we think we're separate. We're alone. We're not supported. We are isolated. Something, you know wrong with us. That is what our practice it sets about to uncover, uncover the truth behind that, which is that it isn't true. So I want to bring this back a little bit. Do we have a okay. Alright, I'll I'll bring it back. <laughs> Thank you.